0: Thank you so much for, for uh, serving tonight, and, and um, all of you who serve you know, behind the scenes, and we have a ton of people serving with our children. Uh, I just love being here on Wednesday night. In fact, Heidi and I were, we were talking about how when we first came to our Wednesday night service, we were so hungry for the things of God that, that nothing else competed with a Wednesday night. It was something that we did uh, as a family, and we weren't actually here yet. We were uh, down by, uh, I think it was on Kino Ole Street where I don't know what's over there now. There used to be food fair. There was a, a supermarket in that area, but I remember when our church was there, every Wednesday we would, we would look forward to our Wednesday night midweek service because we knew God was calling us to something more than just being attenders. He, he wanted us to serve Him, and it took us uh, it's like another commitment for us to say, Lord, then we're going to press in. So I just want to thank you for being here tonight and, and just making the effort to, being, uh, to be here. Because you could be doing anything else, but you choose to be here tonight. So uh, thank God for that, and he's always preparing us. Tonight we're actually in a series talking about the word versus the world. And when we say the word, what we're talking about is the Bible. Because we're going to have that competition all the time. The world is always going to pull us away from God, the Word always pulls us toward God. So you're always going to have those differences. Tonight we're going to be going through some scriptures, so if you have your Bibles, you can open it up uh, to the book of Proverbs chapter 4, and we're going to start in verse 23. If you don't have your Bible, you have a smartphone, then use that uh, app if you have one, and Proverbs 4, 23. You know, in the world, we always see a lot of the junk that's happening in our world because of the news, uh, people sharing, you know, different things that are happening around the world. And so we see the battle between the Word and the world. But as we talk about the Word of God, we want to learn what it means to do this thing that we call daily devotions. Now, some of you understand what daily devotions are. Some of you kind of have an idea. Some of you just heard that for the very first time that... That word daily devotion. So you're wondering, what does that mean, daily devotion? Well, that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Daily devotions for daily living. And the reason why it's daily devotions for daily living is because every day we need something physically to eat to keep our energies up, to keep our health going, and to keep our immune system healthy. So we eat certain fruits and vegetables, certain foods. We, we stay away from certain foods so that we don't gain weight, so that we don't become unhealthy. And so we do that uh, physically. But the question is, how do we do that spiritually? There's a book ca- um, out called The Divine Mentor. It's actually from Pastor Wayne Cordero. And it's a, it's a wonderful book on how to do devotions. It's called The reason why it's called The Divine Mentor is because It's the Holy Spirit that is our divine mentor that guides us with the word of God. And in the word of God, you're going to find many other mentors in there. You're going to find King David in there. You're going to read about the disciples. You're going to read about Jeremiah, Moses, all these biblical characters. They learn through wisdom and consequences about the things of God. There's not one person in the Bible that you're not going to be able to relate to. In other words, whatever you and I go through, we can always find someone in the Bible that we could learn from because they're going through the very same thing you and I will ever go through. So it's in the Word of God. The Bible says it like this in Proverbs 4.23. It says, guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. See, every, every single person devotes their time and energies into something or, or something or someone, like a relationship for various reasons. It could be out of necessity or, or maybe they have a passion for something. But daily devotions, which is devoting time and energy into the Word of God and journaling, allows us to strengthen our lives for daily living. So we're, we're just going to learn the basic principles on how to do daily, daily devotions, but probably just as important why we do daily devotions. Why do we want to read God's Word? I mean, sometimes I don't even understand it, so why would I read a book that I don't understand? Plus, I thought it was like thousands of years old, so how relevant can it be in my life today? Plus, I thought the Bible changed throughout the years. I thought there were different translations, so which one is the right one? And so with Doing daily devotions, you may have all these different questions, but I want to bring it back down to the simple basics. And it's this. There is no other book that is inspired by God. No other book in the entire world. Every book that has been written, every book that will be written, no other book has been inspired by God himself, which means God breathed. That's his very breath. Into his word. And even from the original manuscripts to what we have today in the different translations, the different translations are so that those of us who speak a certain way, we can understand. New Living Translation, it's at a different grade level. I think it's second and third grade reading level. Some of us read at a second grade reading level. And that's not a bad thing, it's just that we're not at a seventh grade reading level. New American Standard is at a different grade reading level, different way of speaking for us to understand. So, it's not that we have different translations that really throw out the entire uh, uh, manuscripts of God or the, the, the original manuscripts. It's in a way that we can understand today. Well, some people say, well, you know, it was the King James Version, that is the, that's the right version to read. Yeah, but not everyone speaks like that or can understand that way. Plus, the King James Version is not the original version anyway. It was in Hebrew and Greek, so if you can speak Hebrew and Greek, then you're that much closer to the original manuscripts, but we have these translations so that we can understand God's word that much greater today. I want to read an excerpt from this book, The Divine Mentor, and if you want to pick one up, you probably can get it online. I'm not sure if we have it in our bookstore, but uh, you can also, if you have like a Kindle or a... What else do they call it? Kindle Fire, or if you have an app on your phone, you can download the electronic version. But it, it reads this in chapter 1. One fine summer day in 1606, in a grove of towering sequoias in a place that would become known as California, a tiny seedling poked up through the soil, drawing energy from the filtered sunlight of the towering sentinels. The infant lifted its miniature arms to the light and warmth that had awakened it. A year later, as the seedling turned sapling, the London Company established the Jamestown Settlement in Massachusetts. A year after that, as the sapling became a young sequoia, an adventurer named Samuel de Chaplin founded Quebec City in New France, a territory that would one day be called Canada. Canada. After three more years, when the sequoia's top was 11 feet above the forest floor, a group of scholars released an, in, an elegant English translation of the Bible that would be known as the King James Version. In 1618, when the tree was nearly two stories high, Europe became embroiled in a conflict that history books would one day, called, one day call the Thirty Years' War, the Thirty-Year War. As the tree continued to grow, America became a nation, fought a civil war, joined Europe in fighting two world wars, put men on the moon and suffered at the hands of terrorists on September 11, 2001. Though all of those events spanning centuries, through all the events spanning centuries, the seedling became a towering titan of the forest, soaring over 240 feet into the California sunshine. And then, just a couple of years ago, the tree fell to the earth in a thunderous crash. It was the first of Yosemite's magnificent sequoias to fall in many years, and the Forest Service authorized an investigation. What mysterious force had slain the giant? What would cause such a majestic tree to fall in this way? There had been no windstorms, fires, floods, or lightning strikes. The toppled tree showed no evidence of animal or insect damage. As park rangers and forestry experts examined the downed behemoth, they came to a startling conclusion. And here it was, foot traffic. In an interview with CNN, Ranger Deb Schweitzer explained that foot traffic around the base of the tree over the years had damaged the root system and contributed to The collapse. She added that park officials had now instituted a policy by fencing some of the oldest, largest, and most historically significant trees to keep the public from trampling the root systems of these giants. When I read that, I thought, boy, I don't know if we put protection around our root systems spiritually. Because isn't it true that we continuously have foot traffic around our lives every single day? With the things that come up that blindside us, maybe with our children, our family members, it could be finances. And now it's tax season and some of you will get blindsided because you've got to pay taxes. That's a huge hit. And when these things come up, if we don't have our roots protected, it's another foot that's trampled on our root system. And then it would be sooner than not, eventually, that just by anything we would just fall and tumble to the ground because our root system was being trampled on for years unless we have something that would protect us. That's what Proverbs 4.23 is saying. Above all else, you guard your heart because out of it flow the issues of life. You guard your heart for it determines the course of your life. See, whatever we put into our hearts is basically what we're going to be made of. It's like have you ever seen these uh, nice cabinets? They look really, really good. And they're super cheap. You look really good at them. It's not real wood. It's called press board. And press board don't last too long. So you can put books on the shelf and it looks good for a little while. But then after a couple of years, you start to see it bend and bow. And then when you got to throw the thing away, it's so easy to topple because you just push the thing over and it just breaks apart because it's made out of press board, this cheap material that they blend together. And then they put this nice veneer finish on it or just this laminate to make it look like wood. So it looks like wood on the outside, but inside it's just, it's just full of like glue and sawdust mixed together and different adhesives so that it, it looks like wood but really at the core of it, it's not even wood at all. And so we don't want to be press board material. We want to be oak tree material. Now the thing about an oak tree, it takes years for an oak tree to develop, but it is the strong, it is a strong wood that you would want to build things off of. You'd want to build a cabinet out of oak. You want to build furniture out of oak, not press board, because oak will far outlast press board. And that's how our lives can be. We can either be press board or we can be oak. Oak will last. And it will last through even the darkest times as well as the hits that we're going to take throughout life. Don't be press board. Be like an oak tree. Psalm 119 verse 24 tells us this. Your testimonies, are, your testimonies also are my delight and my counselors. In other words, all the things that God has spoken in his word. The testimonies of the Lord. That's our delight. That's what brings us great counsel. So why is daily devotion so important? How does, it, how does it affect daily living? Here's the first thing if you want to write down some notes. Daily devotions will daily refresh you. It daily does that. It's a, it's a constant reminder. It, it, it constantly refreshes our soul daily. It does that on a constant basis. It does not go stale. The word of God daily gives us fresh, freshness to our soul. It revives our soul. It helps us to think things through. It's kind of like this. If you're working in your yard all day, isn't it so good to come into the house or into the shade and just drink a cold drink? And then when you're done with the entire yard, you're sweating. You got, you got you know, dirt all over you and grass. And so you take a Shower. That was the right answer. Not take a break. You take a shower and not a nap. You don't take a nap. You take a shower. You bathe. And after you're done bathing, after all that work, it feels so good. After you surf for hours and you come onto the shore, you're hungry. What you normally wouldn't eat, like if you had a sandwich in your car that's kind of stale, after you surf, that thing is good. Because you're super hungry after you surf. You've burnt off a lot of energy. Well, when it comes to the, the word of God, we live life every single day. We're burning off a lot of spiritual energy. We're getting trampled on. We're getting picked on. We're getting name called at. And so many things are coming our way. Conflict resolution. Then we have to deal with people who don't know the Lord and people who do know the Lord. And so we're battling with all these things. A lot of foot traffic is happening around us. We need something to refresh our soul. And that's where the word of God comes in. Jeremiah 15:16, the Bible says this, your words were found and I ate them. And your word was to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart, for I am called by your name. O Lord God of hosts. Yeah, the the word of God will come to us, but we need to eat it. It's spiritual food for our souls. I remember when my children were growing up, you know, when they're little babies, they start off with milk, and then they go to some baby food, and so we feed them. And uh, my, my children, I don't know what was going on, but they would, not, they would not stop eating. I could feed them. In fact, when I would feed them the baby food, I would have to put the, the, the bottle or the, the thing right next to their mouth so that I could kind of just scoop it in their mouth, because if I took long, they'd get mad. And so that's how I would feed them. But as they continue to grow up, then we would go to like, like a cereal kind of mix. And then they could go to some uh, solid food that we would mush up. And then they could go to more solid food. But after a while, they need to not rely on daddy to feed them. After a while, they learn to what? Feed themselves. They got to learn to feed themselves. So as they continue to grow up, we would give them the spoon... And then they would learn how to eat. And they would make a mess. I mean, that was, that was the beginning of my OCD problem. It was when I would watch my children eat, I'm thinking, oh, come on, man. The stew cannot go down your neck. Just come on. So I would have to clean them up. And after a while, I said, you know what? After you're done eating, you're bathing. That was just it. That was easier that way. But they were learning to feed themselves. And it is very messy when you first begin to feed yourself. But imagine if... I never, I, I didn't want them to get messy. Imagine if I said, you know what, daddy's gonna feed you all your life. My, my oldest son is 27 years old, my youngest is 21. Imagine if I fed them today. They probably would like it. They'd be like, yeah, dad, feed me. But no, I ain't feeding them. They gotta learn to feed themselves. And that's what happens in the kingdom of God. Sometimes we come to church and say, feed me, feed me. And you hear it, and it said like this, I want more meat. That's a phrase we use. Whenever we say, I want more meat, it's an indication that I'm not feeding myself. It's an indication that I want others to feed me. Feed me, feed me, feed me. I just want to be fed, spoon-fed. But Jesus didn't develop spoon-fed disciples. He developed disciples that were going to go out into the world and change the world for Christ. You don't send out babies to do that. You send out warriors to do that. Warriors feed themselves. And so that's why daily devotions are important. It's a self-feeding discipline that we have. It's not relying on someone else. It's, Lord, I'm getting into your word, and then you're gonna, I'm going to self-feed because it's your word that feeds my soul. You're going you're gonna to surround me with divine mentors throughout the Bible that's going to teach me. Even though they may be dead, we can still learn from them. In fact, in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verse 4, it tells us this. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it, he, being dead, still speaks. He still speaks to us. And although the word of God has Everyone in it, full of dead people, except Christ because he's alive and well, the word of God still speaks. I was watching a, an interview a while back, and it was, I think you might remember this. Remember when Kanye West interrupted Taylor Swift at the, I think it was either the VMAs or one of the music awards. So he came up on stage and he did that thing, and everybody's like, what are you doing? But it was Kanye West, so it's was like, "Ah." So he, he interrupts her, and it was like a horrible thing. Beyonce saved the day, but then Jay Leno, when he had his Tonight Show, interviewed Kanye West, and he's asking him, you know, what are you doing, kind of thing. And but Kanye wanted to apologize, and he did. But then Jay Leno asked this question. He said, he said to hey, Kanye, "What would your what would your mom say?" And I was like, whoa, He's bringing in his mother. Like anytime you bring in a mom, it game over. It's just, there's, there's no way out of it. Like, I'm going to tell your You're done. So, and he said, and, his, and Kanye West's mom passed away. So when he asked that question, Kanye just paused and broke down and cried. And I thought, here's this man who, who portrays a tough exterior, is broken down, all because of one question about his mother who passed away. And I was wondering, I was wondering, when that question was asked, even though his mom passed away, he could still hear her speaking to him. I mean, I think we can all relate to that. When we used to do dumb things growing up, and, and we, would, we would just about do something dumb, and we would think, Oh, what is my dad going to say? What if I get caught? What is my mom going to say? Or even today, if we're going to do something, and, and we've grown up in a culture or an environment where grandma said, Don't you do that, or mom said, and they've passed on, we still hear their voice. We still hear them speaking. And that's just like the word of God. All of these mentors in the Bible. Sometimes we think, oh, I can't understand. Instead of trying to just read the Bible, try to understand people in the Bible. Relate to them. Because they're going to mentor. Even though dead, they're still going to speak. Psalm 34 verse 8 tells us, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. The word of God is going to refresh us. You taste and see that the Lord is good. You do a self-feeding discipline so that we can taste and see how good God is. See, we're, we're going to learn in two ways. And if you, want to, if you want to write this, you can. We're going to learn through wisdom and consequences. You and I should learn through wisdom. That's the best way to learn. Wisdom is the best way to learn. We don't want to learn through consequences, but yet we still do. And we're still going to learn through consequences. Some of us, that's the only way we learn. As we say it here in Hawaii, hard head learn hard way. (laughs) If you didn't know it, now you know. When we're hard head, we learn the hard way. If we don't learn through wisdom, we're going to learn through consequences. Now here's the difference between wisdom and consequences. Wisdom says, I apply before I make a mistake. That I'll either learn from others or I learn the lesson, and I and wisdom teaches me before I make the mistake. That's what wisdom does. Wisdom teaches me before I make the mistake. But here's consequence. Consequence demands that you make the mistake first, then you learn. That's what consequences do. Isn't it true that consequences is it teaches us and demands that we make the mistake first and then we go, ah, I shouldn't have done that. Why? Because you're dealing with the consequences. When I was younger, uh, I was probably about maybe six years old, five years old, and I was in the back of my grandmother's house and my my uncle was, you know, they were grilling um, fish and things like that. And then, you know when the charcoal is like all... um, ashes already but it's still hot Uh, i threw a marble in there and then my uncle said what are you doing i said "I'm just playing with the fire and he goes you you know that that now you can't get that i said i can grab it he says you want to you want to grab the marble i said i can get it and he said okay you want to get it go grab it so i grabbed it and you know when your brain just doesn't register right away if it's cold or hot Yeah, that's what was happening in my brain. So I picked it up and I was thinking, this feels like really, really cold. And then it came really, really hot. And then I dropped it and I had a blister on my hand. So that's called consequence. So consequence, the consequence that I learned was fire hot. Marble in fire comes hot too. Uncle says, grab marble. Grab marble, burn hand, no trust uncle. So that was the (laughs) consequence side of it. Wisdom would have said, when my uncle said, it's going to be hot, don't, don't do that. Wisdom would have taught me first, taught me the lesson that that's hot. Then I wouldn't have to suffer the consequences. Some of us go through consequences and waste years of life rather than applying the wisdom of God. Because we don't understand how to do daily devotions. Psalm 119, excuse me, 111, verse 10, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all those who do his commandments, his praise endures forever. It's the fear of the Lord that is the beginning of wisdom. So when you have that respect for God and his word, that is the beginning of wisdom. Pick up the Bible and read it. Because that's where wisdom is going to be given to us. Psalm 19, verse 7 tells us that the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. That's why it's important when someone gives a testimony. In fact, we're going to hear three testimonies on Sunday with three wonderful people about how God has been working in their lives. And when we hear someone who gives a testimony, learn. Learn. When someone comes up and say, you know, I used to do this and uh, God turned my life around. Don't say, oh, good for you. Oh, great. Yay. And do the exact same thing they used to do before they came to know the Lord. No, we learn through the testimonies. That's wisdom. And you can save years of your life going through pain and turmoil and headache when we learn through other people's mistakes. When we learn from the testimonies of the Lord. As Ecclesiastes 4.13 tells us, it says, It is better to be a poor but wise youth than an old and foolish king who refuses all advice. Have you ever been around a person who you know they're kind of uh, straying away or, or making mistakes? And you're like, dude, don't do this. Sister, don't do this. They're like, I know, I know. I know already. I know. I know. I know. I used to go to church. I know the things of God. I know already. I know. And then you just watch their life. You're like, you know? You know? You don't know. But now they know. Why? Because they learn through consequence. But we can't change people. We can't force people. But what we can do is we can go back to the Lord and say, What is the best way for me to learn? It's through his word. It's through wisdom. It's so that we can apply it. John fifteen three And verse 7 says, you have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. In other words, the words that I've given to you, you're already clean. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. In other words, when we stay connected to Christ, apart from him, we can do absolutely nothing. That's what daily devotions do for us. It refreshes us. There's a second thing. Daily devotions teaches me how to hear and know God's voice. That's what daily devotions do. Now, in the beginning, just like any relationship, when you first get to know someone, you're beginning to know them and hear them. You're beginning to learn what their voice sounds like. You're beginning to learn their, their, their history, their culture, who they are. It takes time to get to know someone. And the same as God's word, it takes time to get to know God through his word. But you don't give up because you don't understand When you first met your spouse or or a good friend, you don't give up because you don't know them. No, you continue to spend time with each other so that you get to know each other. That's where many marriages fall apart is the moment they get married. They say, oh, no need date. I got them already. No need date. We're good to go. And so the things we used to do, we no longer do. That's why everything falls apart. And so it is with the word of God. Stay hungry for the word of God. This is the only place you should act like you're starving. It's with the word of God. Now, you can go overboard and just be in the word of God eight hours a day. And if you need it, then that's between you and the Lord. But really, it's, Lord, what are you saying to me today? Even Jesus said that's how you're supposed to pray. Give us this day our daily bread. This day. What are you giving me today? You know, life is busy. We understand that. Did you know that you can see Jesus on the run? Like if you're running, you see people say, hey, how's it? Hey, how's it? You can run. You can even drive by people and say, hey. And we do that. We wave. You can see Jesus on the run, but you get to know him when you're still. That's the only way we get to know him. Psalm 4610 tells us to be still and know that I am God. That's the only way. And it's not be still that you're just like, okay, what am I doing what, what do I do? That word still means cease from striving. Because in life we're going to continue to strive to be better, to be the best, to, to climb the corporate ladder, to get more money, to get more things. We're going to strive. But Mary and Martha teaches us something. Mary and Martha were two, two sisters. They had a brother named Lazarus who actually Jesus raised from the grave. But Mary and Martha, was, they were throwing this party for Christ. And Jesus came to them. And, and as Jesus came over, Martha is busy getting all the preparations ready for jesus and now she's looking for her sister mary she's like where's mary how come she's not helping well she sees mary sitting at the feet of jesus and so mary tells jesus hey jesus tell my sister to help me and in luke chapter 10 verse 41 and 42 the lord answers martha and he said to her martha Martha, you are, you're worried and bothered about so many things, but only one thing is necessary for Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. She has chosen the good part. Only one thing is necessary, and Mary has chosen the good part. What was Mary doing? She's sitting at the feet of Christ, taking in every word. In other words, what Mary didn't do was skip on the very fundamentals that builds our relationship with Christ and that's sitting at his feet. The basic fundamentals. You skip on that, you miss everything else. Now, how many of you are Golden State Warrior fans? You're NBA. Or oh, you just love watching Steph Curry. Okay, it's cool. It, some of you are like, I don't know. I know beef curry. I didn't even know what you just said. So, uh, Steph Curry is an NBA basketball player, if you didn't know. And he is breaking records. And so, where their team is on a record-breaking season. But he shoots three-pointers from like half-court. He practices shooting three-pointers like 40 feet away from the rim. He just continues to do that. But he doesn't skip the basic fundamentals. He continues to, day in and day out, just do the basic drills. How to shoot. Making sure the ball is in the pocket. Shooting straight. Making sure he's aligned. He doesn't give up on the fundamentals. So when you watch the game and he's doing all these uh, amazing shots, everyone is thinking like, wow, he's super good at that. No, he's not super good at that. He's super good at what we don't see, which is why that happens. And so it is with us. If we skip out on our daily devotions, we're not going to be good at that. We're not going to be good at marriage. We're not going to be good at work. We're not going to be good in our community. We're not going to be good with our language. We're not going to be good with our thoughts. But if we sit at the feet of Jesus, someone will look at your life and say, Oh, my goodness, how in the world do they do that? It's because we're doing the basic fundamentals, sitting at the feet of Jesus and building our relationship with him. Don't skip on your devotions. Luke 5.16, Jesus models for us how to do this. And it says this in Luke 5.16, Jesus himself would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. He often would slip away into the wilderness to pray. Some of us just need to slip away and spend time with Jesus. And if Jesus did this, why, uh, how much more should we? This is the Son of God slipping away to pray, spend time with the Father. So why why do we do this daily? Why does it have to be daily devotions? Why can't it be weekly? Well, because we tend to drift. When you drive your car, what if you periodically adjusted? What if as you drive, try that on the way out in the parking lot? Well, actually, don't try it because you might get into an accident, but... When you drive, you don't keep the steering wheel still and don't move. You adjust along the way. Why? Because we tend to drift. We got to continuously get back on track. And that's what daily devotions do. We do this daily because we tend to drift. We do this daily because we're spiritually starving. We eat daily, physically, at least three times a day. Some of us six or ten. Sometimes we're so busy we eat once a huge meal that's not healthy too. Did you know that there are characters in the Bible like a, a man by the name of Joseph who we can learn from? And if you know his story, he came to a place of, of being a servant in a man by the name of Potiphar in his house. He was in the, uh, Potiphar's house. And Potiphar's wife wanted to sleep with this guy Joseph. And Joseph knew God and then he said, no, I'm not going to do this. He was a man of character. And so when he found himself alone with, this, with Potiphar's wife and she tried to attack him to take advantage of him. He ran from her. And I thought, that's what we need to learn. That, that Joseph will speak to us that when someone is flirting, you don't receive that, you run. You go in the opposite direction. If you're married and someone's flirting with you, don't take it like, ha, 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 I still get them. No, you run. You don't receive that. Now, if you're single, that's different. But if you're dating and you're, or you're married, and you don't mess with that stuff. And Joseph ran. You can learn from him. Abigail, who uh, was a wife of a man. Uh, his name was Nebal, Nebal, or Nabal, however you want to say it. He wasn't a good man. He was mean. But then he eventually died. But before he did... There was a conflict between his men and and David's men before David became king. Well, David was an angry man at that point and Abigail did something so unbelievable in humility that helped quench David's anger and saved a bitter war from happening. We can learn from Abigail in how to deal with other people's anger. Even Peter... One of the disciples of Jesus, when Peter denied Christ, we can learn from Peter how not to give up. But that only happens if we're in the word of God, learning to hear God's voice, as well as learning, what does, what does God have to say to me today? Because this is the only way we get to know God. It's through his word. We're going to learn how to hear his voice. We're going to get to know God. So I want to give you five practical things on how to do devotions or what you bring for devotions. The first thing is, of course, your Bible. You must have a Bible. The second thing you have or need to have is a pen, unless you're using like an electronic gadget. But I do both. I'll write it down because that's something that I can pass on to my children or grandchildren so they have something tangible. But bring a Bible and a pen and then a journal. You want to write things in your journal. Things that you're learning. So a Bible, a pen, and a journal. And then your calendar. Now, why your calendar? Here's why. Because you're going to be reading, and there are going to be so many things on your mind. You're going to say, oh, i got to call this person back. Write it down somewhere else. And then go back to your devotions. Or you're going you're gonna, to uh, think of, oh, I, I'm supposed to be at an appointment. Uh, i, I got to make an appointment. Write it in your calendar. That way it's done. So it's out of your mind, out of your hard drive, so you have room to read. So that's why you bring your calendar. And then a reading plan. So you have your Bible, your pen, your journal, your calendar, and then a reading plan. And the reading plan that we use helps us to go through the Bible in a year. And you might be thinking, I, I can't read the Bible in a year. It takes about 20 minutes to read. Uh, it takes me a little bit longer because i got to read, reread again because I'm thinking, what did I just read? So i got to read again. I have to actually imagine what is happening at that time. So i gotta, I got to visually see in my head what is happening. But you get a Bible reading plan. We have bookmarkers at our information table. Uh, we might have some right at the back after service. I'm not sure. But that reading plan will help because every day we read through Scripture. And then we can journal on it. If you need a journal, go to our bookstore on Sunday or early on Wednesday nights, and then you can pick one up, and it'll help you and teach you how to do what we're talking about tonight. And then we use an acrostic, S-O-A-P. And this was developed by Pastor Wayne. It's a simple way for us to remember the scripture. That's what S stands for. So you write down the scripture that popped out to you, and you just write it down. If it's really, really long, then just write the address. You can write the entire scripture if you want. But you can also write the address. And then the O stands for observation. What did you observe with what you just read? If it, was, if it was this scripture that Jesus himself would often slip away to the wilderness and pray, that would be my scripture. I would observe this. As busy as Jesus was, he made time with the Father. That's my observation. So it's not something really elaborate. That's just me. You can write more if you want. And then that's your observation. Then the A is application. We want to read the Word of God, but also apply the Word of God. So how I would apply this is I would put application, and then what I would do is I would say, I need to slip away and spend time with you, Lord. I need to make time for your Word. I need to spend time with you. I need to pray with you so that I can develop my relationship with you. That's my application. And then my prayer, which is P, would be, Lord, help me to find time. Can you give me the wisdom required so that I can make time? Can you help me with my schedule? Can you help me with thinking these things through? That would be my prayer. That's S-O-A-P. That's what SOAP means. That's the acrostic. Some of you might be thinking, when do I do devotions? What is the best time? The best time to do your devotions? Is it in the morning, evening, midday? Best time is when you are at your best. Some of you wake up early in the morning. How many of you wake up early in the morning? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's some of you guys. So how many of you, well, you don't get up till like noon? That's like that's my time. Okay. Uh, what about late night? You can you stay up till like ever? Okay, you can stay up late. How many of you are midday people? Like you're at your best at two o'clock, three o'clock? Okay, M- maybe one. Some of you sleep like five o'clock in the afternoon because of work schedule. So you gonna find when you're at your best? Some of you, and I've heard this before, I've done this before, for some reason when you open the word of God, you close your eyes and you go to sleep. I don't know why that happens. I think we're just tired people. So you are just got to find the best time for that. So we, we do this thing, S-O-A-P, and of course that's prayer. And when we write down our prayer, it's more than just writing the prayer. It's actually praying. You're going to pray. And the highest form of prayer is not when you and I speak to God, the highest form of prayer is when God speaks to us. Because how often do we go to God? Lord, help me with this. Lord, help me with that. Lord, pay this. Pay that. I need money. I need this. and I need that. Okay, Jesus' name, amen. It's like we just hung up on God and God, God was just about to say, okay, here's what you do. Oh, I right, hung up. Okay, well, the highest form of prayer is when God speaks to you and I. I do devotions with a group of men on, on Friday mornings at a coffee shop at 6 a.m. And we just do a 20-20-20. 20 minutes reading, 20 minutes journaling, and then 20 minutes sharing. It's very simple. So I would suggest this. Find a group of people that you could do devotions with. It's a small group. It helps keep you accountable. But more than that, it builds relationship. And as the Bible says, iron sharpens iron. So I can read and get a gem like something of a treasure. But when five guys share, I now have six that I take with me for the day, and so do they. So we help each other, we build, we build each other up. And so we do that so that we can learn from the source of all wisdom, which is God himself. John 6, 35, Jesus says it like this. He says, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. In other words, he gives us fresh bread every single morning, every single day for our soul. Which means this, fresh has a limit. Nothing like fresh bread. Nothing like fresh bread. When that thing comes out of the oven or if you have a bread maker, oh, it's super good. Really, really good. You don't want 10-day-old bread. 15-week-old bread. God gives us fresh bread every single morning. If you're eating 15-week-old bread, that's called cracker. So you don't want to eat that. You know what is interesting in the book of Exodus, 16, verse 20, it says this. Some of them didn't listen and kept some of it until morning. And speaking of the manna, when God would bring manna, it was the bread from heaven. Some of them didn't listen because they were supposed to only eat for that day and gather for that day and not leave any left over. But because they kept some of it until morning, by then it was full of maggots and had a terrible smell. Moses was very angry with them. Now, I would be too. God was giving them fresh bread every day, but what they were doing was taking more than what they needed for that day, kept it overnight. In the morning, it smelled, had maggots. The manna that they had that was from God had all the nutrients they needed for that day, but somehow had something in it that would rot overnight. And God gives us that illustration because even in our disobedience, when we don't obey God, Our smell becomes obvious to everyone else. But he gives us fresh bread. And he says, every single day, fresh bread. And here's the last thing daily devotions keep us close to the heart of God. It just keeps us close to the heart of God. We want to stay close to the heart of God, we want to continue to build our relationship with him. That's what daily devotions do. See, in our world today, image is better than character, that's what's portrayed. That you'd rather look good than actually have character. That's why we see a lot of celebrities, sports athletes, even ourselves, we fall under pressure. We don't have the character to go along with the success. But God says, I'm going to build in you character so that you will last. Not just look good on the outside... Jeremiah 17 verses 7 and 8 says, But blessed is the the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green, and it has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. In other words, when you're in the word of God, you begin to speak like God. You'll be able to live like him. You'll be able to sound more and more like Jesus. Now you're not gonna be God, we're never gonna be Him, but we'll begin to sound more and more like Christ. We'll think like Christ, speak like Christ. And we're gonna do the things that Jesus did because we're learning the heart behind it. Whatever Jesus said, that's who he was. Because he he had character. Jeremiah 29, 13, and 14 says, You will seek me and find me. When you seek me with all of your heart, I will be found by you, declares the Lord. But we got to put all our heart into it. And when we, do, when we do that, when we do our daily devotions, we begin to learn the heart of God. And then we begin to declare the things of God. And then we walk after God. Have you ever noticed that when two people are with each other for years, like 50, 60 years been married, they begin to look like each other? They do. They look like each other. It's so cute. Like 80 years old, they look, like, they look the same. Why? Because you begin to look like who you love. And the longer we fall in love with Christ, the more we're with him, the more we're going to look like him. Psalm 119 verse 165 says, Great peace have those who love your law, and nothing causes them to stumble. You know, in a marathon, everyone hits this thing called the wall. Those who persevere through it persevere not because they can run good now. No, they persevere because of what's inside of them. And they're able to pass that wall. The strength of the wall is not determined by how strong that wall is. The strength of the wall is determined by what's inside of the runner. Is that wall going to be tough or like paper? And same, same with us in life. Whatever walls we're going to hit, the strength of it is only determined by what's inside of us. So we want to be tutored by the Holy Spirit. That personal mentorship. Isn't it, isn't it better to be tutored by someone personally than just in a classroom setting? See, if, if, you, if you are an NBA fan, I would rather be one-on-one being taught by a Steph Curry or Michael Jordan or like a LeBron James than watch videos or be in a classroom setting where they're just teaching hundreds. I'd rather be one-on-one with them and learn from the very best. Soccer, you want to learn from the very best. One-on-one, you want to be tutored, and that's what the Holy Spirit does. That's what daily devotions do. We were on Oahu, and uh, we were at this red light, and you can turn on a red light, on some of them. This one, there were two lanes that could turn right, but the sign said, right turn on right lane only. So I'm in the right lane, there's a car in front of us, and no cars are coming this way, so they can go. And I'm so impatient, I'm thinking, you can go. Like, this is one of my biggest pet peeves, right turns when you can, and they don't, and they're waiting at the red light. And I'm ready to honk my horn, but I'm thinking, no, no, be patient. Plus, what if this person goes to church and they'd be, asked the pastor. So I want to represent you, Lord. And it's not a sin to honk your horn, okay? So, but I'm just sitting there. And then after, our light, when our light turns green, that person goes. And I'm thinking, if they only knew what the rule book said, they would have been freed to go. They would have been free to go. Sometimes we think, if I know the word of God, I'll be imprisoned. It's opposite. When you don't know the word of God, you're, you're trapped because you won't know what to do. You won't know when to go. But when you're in the word of God, then you're free. As John 1, 1 John 5 3 says, loving God means keeping his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. See, with, with the Lord, it's, it's not a program that we're doing. It's actually a process. I want to close with this scripture, Acts 4.13. And, and here's why I want to close with this because we can get stuck into a so-called reading program, but it's not a reading program. It's actually a process. We can get caught up in the spiritual things that we know all the spiritual things. You can actually call uh, Glenn through the keyboard. But we can get caught up in all the spiritual things and, and be so super spiritual that we're no earthly good. So here's what balances us out. This is in Acts 4.13 the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. No special training in the scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. See, the goal of us doing devotions is not to sound smart. It's not to do a check-off list. It's not to tell people we're in the word of God it's so that we look more like Christ. So when people see us, they recognize that that person has been with Jesus Christ. I want to encourage all of us to start daily devotions or continue in it. Because that's our goal. Our goal is so that people would see Christ in us. This year, we call it the year of harvest for our church. That many will come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. That we're going, to, we're going to work hard, we're going to labor. That we're going to, we're going to learn and grow together. And God's going to bring a harvest. And he has been doing that already. But we do this together. And the reason why I want us to do devotions together and, and do the bookmarker, again, it's not a law, so it's not like you have to. The only reason why I encourage you to do so is so that we're all on the same page, learning together. And when we're learning together we become stronger as a church we become stronger as a community so that every single day as we're daily devoted to Christ we'll be able to live for the Lord daily Amen. Would you pray with me? Would you bow your heads for a moment? Lord I'm so thankful that we get to learn from you. You are the one who mentors us, you, you, you teach us. And so we want to learn from you. We want to spend time with you every single day because you give us fresh bread. You help us with the choices that we need to make. That's what daily devotions do. It helps us to hear your voice, to learn what you sound like and to get to know you. It may take years for us to understand but it'll be so worth it when we begin to understand even more. So I pray for all of us, Lord, that we'd find time, make time, even sacrifice other things that we don't need. It's, it's not even essential for our soul. In fact, some of the things we do is actually tearing us apart. It's ruining our soul. But your word revives our soul. It refreshes us. And So help us to be just like you, to slip away often and go to a place where we pray with you. Sometimes it's just in our car, turning on the air conditioner or rolling down the windows and, and being in a place where we're, we're with you so that you can put the fence posts around us to guard the root system of our lives. We don't want to be just veneer. We don't want to be laminate. We don't want to be press board. We want to be strong like oak trees, Lord. We want to, we want to be authentic to the core. And it's going to take your word. So that if there were ever to be a wall in front of us, even though it may be brick, concrete, because of what's inside of us, we will run right through. All because of these daily devotions, helping us for daily living. We pray this in your name, Lord. And We all said, amen. Can we just thank our Lord for giving us his word.